0: Good morning, everybody. How are you today? It is good to see you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Those watching online, glad you have chosen to worship the Lord here at Mount Perrin North. I have the privilege today to share the stage with some folks that I am um, honored just to be able to, not only this, but to be able to kind of do life with and do ministry with here at Mount Perry North. This represents some of the leadership here at North, and they've agreed to help me this morning as we sort of talk about what does it mean to be a righteous man and a righteous father in this day and age. So who we have here this morning is three. We have a team of five people who are our lead team pastors that work with me in fulfilling the vision that God has given us here. And three of them are with us this morning to help us. And I'm going to forego titles and everything. And they're going to completely introduce themselves. But from our lead team of pastors, we have Ryan, Lance, and Jason. Glad you guys are here. And we also have, uh, as part of our governance board and our leadership team here, um, we have five members of our board of trustees or board of directors here. And one of those uh, is with us this morning. He has been a part of Mount Perrin North for over a quarter of a century, serves on our missions board, serves in so many roles, but he's also for the last two years been a part of our board of directors, our board of trustees, and a man who gives me great counsel, great advice, and also as part of that governance board that shows, serves as accountability for me as well. And I'm thrilled that he agreed to be with us as well. Banjo, I'm so glad you're here. Would you welcome all of our panel guests this morning? So, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to kind of introduce yourselves formally, and more important than that, tell us about your family, okay? Yeah.
1: I am Ryan Joyner. I am the son of Steve Joyner and the grandson of Dave Joyner, and I'm so proud to be a part of that lineage. I'm the family ministry pastor here at North, and I've been here just over nine years, and I have the intense uh, privilege and honor. Of being married to my beautiful wife, Robin Joyner, uh, up there. We've been married for almost 12 years. And um, after much waiting, prayer, anticipating, God gave us this adorable son, Nate. Nathan Samuel Joiner, and uh, we love him so much and he was so excited this morning to give me this card that he'd put stickers all over and uh, there was he was just pumped to give it to me Sesame Street stickers and there was a button so I am wearing that and that is my true name today dad and he gave me this hat as well so he has a, a matching one to go with it so that's me and my family
2: nice
0: hat I love
1: it Hey
2: everybody, my name is Lance Pierce and I get to serve as the worship pastor here. I get to sing with you every Sunday. Um, I am the son of Mike Pierce. My dad's right there. Hey, Bob, how you doing? He's a great man, you should know him. Uh, my family's on the screen, uh, maybe. There they are. That's my wife, Allie. Uh, we've been married, uh, in two weeks will be nine years. Uh, she also serves on staff here uh, with our North Kids team. Uh, she leads our Haven ministry, which is our special needs ministry with North Kids. And... Kind of like Ryan and Robin, we waited a long time to have kids. We prayed for a very long time, and uh, God answered our prayers a little differently and led us to the path of adoption. And in 2018, we adopted our daughter, uh, Emery. We call her Emmy, and um, we've been a family since she was three days old. And uh, she's almost four, so we're right in the whole mode of unicorns and sparkles, and she leaves glitter trails everywhere she goes. Sorry,
3: you said unicorns. I've got to interject, everybody. (laughs) It's not my turn yet, but it's just the way I roll. So unicorns, if you're a girl dad, who's a girl dad in the room? All right, it's quiz time on unicorns. Lance, we'll quiz you. What do you call the horse that's just got the wings? That's Pegasus. Right. What do you call the horse that's got the horn? That's
2: a unicorn. All
3: right, right. Here's the tough one, everybody. And if you're a girl dad, you must know this. You need to know this. What do you call the horse that's got the wings and the horn?
2: That's called an alicorn.
3: Yes. And that's very
2: important, gentlemen. You and need to know I this. Would, I would highly recommend the book, Good Night, Unicorns. Yes. Uh, we read it most nights. So if you want to study up on unicorns, I recommend that
0: one. <laughs> All I can say is good night, why? <laughs> Banjo, tell us about you and your family.
4: My name is Banjo Shonubi. My wife and I have been coming to Manparan for 26, 27 years now. I'm an elder at the church and also a member, of the, member, uh, a member of the Board of Trustees. On the screen, is the lady in red is my beautiful wife, my queen. And the two boys my handsome young men over there, Joseph and Joshua. And the other lady to your right is my daughter-in-law.
3: I want to know, has your family done any professional modeling? (laughs) Like Hollywood stars up there. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm Jason Duncan. I'm one of the pastors here at Mount Perry North. I've been serving on the staff here for 12 years uh, and privileged to do so. Uh, My family is on the screen. That's me. Uh, You may recognize me. I look like this. Uh, (laughs) My greatest... Coup, my greatest accomplishment in my entire life was convincing the lady on the left to marry me. Her name is Jennifer. We've been married for 23 years. It was a hard fought battle. It took four and a half years to convince her to marry me, but she finally, she finally did. And then our, our greatest accomplishment as a couple, our accomplishments are those two little people standing between us there in the pictures. And I mean that sincerely. The best thing we've ever done as human beings was to create those two human beings. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm already crying, we're just getting going. Uh, Jack Duncan, the tall kid in the middle, that's our son. He is now 13, that picture was about a year and a half ago. The big news around the Duncan household right now is that Jack Duncan is now officially taller than his mother. Yes, (laughs) he's 13 years old. And little Lucy there in the middle, Lucy's nine years old now. And Lucy, we're proud to announce that Lucy will be running for president in 2024. And despite all odds against her, we feel like she's got a good shot, actually,
0: at becoming our next president. Very good. All right, guys, let's get started with something a little bit light, uh, just to give, uh, let us know a little bit more about you. What is something that you didn't expect about becoming a father? Let's start with you.
1: I uh, did not expect. I did not expect to be diarrhea pooped on. Uh, while Nate was in a Baby Bjorn carrier just before Wednesday night middle school small groups while eating a sub sandwich. <laughs> and the, the eating of the sub sandwich immediately stopped right there in that moment. It was, it was over. But I, I also didn't expect how little time I would have to myself uh, after this little guy came into our lives. At the same time, I didn't expect how much I would love him. I mean, even before I got to hold him, just knowing he was there and growing and had life after we waited and anticipated for so long, it was its just such a deep love that I know it's just never going to go away. No matter what choices, good or bad, he makes in the future, I'm going to love that kid to the end. It's a, it's a deep, deep love.
2: Yeah, we... Um we waited like you guys, and you think you know that you're going to love this little person, um, but I told my wife when we walked in the hospital room when we met her in Kansas that it's like the Grinch. My heart grew three sizes that day. It's like uh, God gave me a whole new capacity to love that I didn't understand that I had, and no matter what she does, she is the greatest thing, and there's such a special connection between a dad and his little girl. Um, I had no idea uh, that that love that existed that I would have for her
3: yeah I think for me uh, the big surprise of fatherhood was that despite what my mom told me in my entire life I actually am not the center of the known universe <laughs> I was convinced in uh, until we had Jack and all that love and patience and tenderness That Jennifer extended towards me for all those years, suddenly went all to Jack, and there wasn't any of that left for me anymore, and I learned very quickly that it was not all about me, and that was a big surprise, because if you know me, you know that I
0: like to be the center of attention. Just so you know, we have a counseling center that's available when all of this. <laughs> what well,
2: How's Jack's 13? Only 13 years ago you discovered that. That's great.
0: Yeah, but a long time, yeah. I was a little late to the game, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's try a different question. What is your favorite or most challenging stage of being a father? Banjo, let's start with you.
4: Yeah, so my favorite is this. My oldest son, I think when he was a sophomore going to junior in high school, very good student, loves math, loves science, but doesn't like reading. So I said, son, we need to do something about this. He said, so we're going to take speed reading for summer. He didn't like that idea. So I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'll take the class with you so we can, you know, bond, take it together. So he said, cool. So we'll go to these classes, and it was fine. We are bonding, you know, always eating along the way and coming back. So that was good. So on the last day of class, the instructor said, I want you guys, every student, to tell me who has most inspired you all throughout your life. And everybody in class was saying all kind of names, all these superstars, Michael Jackson, all these people. And my son was looking at everybody like something is wrong with him, you know. And when he got to his turn, he got up and said, my dad, of course. And my head got this big. Yeah. <laughs> and this, it, like they didn't hear him the first time. He said, and they said again, he said, my dad, of course. And he looked at everybody with some kind of arrogance, like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> and then he said, I, I felt so good. Yeah. And I was so proud of him. And I said, that's my son. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah.
0: You felt so good, and the rest of us are going, well, we're not measuring up like that right now.
1: Yeah, yeah good, good for you. I, 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 look, I look forward to that day. My son's about to be three years old. So um, there are some wonderful moments that I treasure. I love taking him to the pool and watching that boy swim. He loves it to take him to the park and just swing him. He loves to listen to his music and swing. I treasure those times. But those are times when he's getting what he wants, so everything's magical. But then when he doesn't get what he wants, that boy will look me right in the face and slap me on the face. And I'm like, excuse me? I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is unacceptable. And, and it's just a challenging phase right now the poor kid he's sick all the time I mean there's he's doing breathing treatments and y'all saw him he's wearing his glasses and I mean he's just struggling and we're always in and out of the doctor's office it's a challenging phase right now learning the balance between discipline and teaching him not to hit without hitting him uh to show him like uh where's the, the balance of love and discipline it's it's not easy right now. You know, it's
2: interesting because our kids are about a year apart, so
1: they're kind of in the same stage. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's probably because she's a girl and she can do no wrong, right? She's my, the queen. But uh, I love this stage. Uh, I would say the most challenging was when she was an infant because I didn't know how to change a diaper. I also had no idea how many diapers she would go through in a day. My goodness. Thank God for Costco. Uh, but yeah, like, this is the greatest stage. I love having conversations with her and seeing what she comes up with in her imagination and I didn't know it was possible to watch Frozen 400 times in a day, but it is, and I've done it before. And, uh, yeah, I would say this is my favorite stage for sure.
1: I'm really, really happy for you. <laughs>
0: well, if... Ryan may be a little bitter, but we're, we're working on it. Did you know we have a counseling center for you too? Okay, good. If we could all just stretch our hands towards Ryan right
3: now. I'm just going to pray over him today. Uh, For me, uh, when we first came to North, I was a music pastor, and I practiced a lot to be prepared for you guys on Sunday mornings, and, uh, you know, of course, I've mentioned I was the center of the universe at that time, and and, uh, so I would get my guitar, and I would sing at the house. I would practice a lot at the house, And, and in my mind, I had this picture of Jennifer and Jack. He was our only child at the time. Just in my mind, you know, sitting on the floor in front of me, just swaying and worshiping the Lord as I would practice, you know? Uh, in reality, I, 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 what would happen is I'd, I'd get to singing, and I'd sing really loud. And I'm, I'm not a great singer, but I'm a good loud singer, and people like it when you sing loud. So that was kind of my thing. And So I'd sing really loud, expecting Jack and Jennifer to be engaged in worship, and I hear out of my ear, I hear this, ah, this wailing sound. I look over, and Jack is laying face down on the floor, just screaming, Stop singing! Make him stop! Just screaming at the sound of my voice singing. So I guess uh, the most challenging thing, again, is to realize I am still not the center of the universe. It must be
2: something for worship pastors because last week at camp with the students, Emmy came up to me and said, Dad, I really like it when Miss Savannah sings, but when you sing, I kind of get nervous, so let her sing. It must just be something for
0: worship pastors. (laughs) Okay. Well, we know being a father is awesome and challenging and also humbling, right? So let me ask you guys a question. How's your relationship with Jesus helped you face all the challenges of um, being a father in this day and age?
4: Banjo, once again, let's start with you here. So the way I'll answer that is uh, acting in accord with divine moral laws. Now, having said that, Jesus said you love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. That means you love vertically your God. And then you also love your neighbor as yourself. So you love horizontally your neighbors. That means you love your wife, your children, your in laws and outlaws. <laughs> you love everybody. But he also said, if you love me, obey my commandments. So at the end of it, it's all about obedience. If you love me, put a condition that obey my commandments. So we put our own will aside. And follow the will of God. That's what makes you. You know That's that's what you, that's that's what you know. Make that's that's what you do to follow the will of God.
2: Yeah, so yeah I um I love what you said too. just out of love for God, um, you do it from this place of acceptance and not hoping that Christ would accept you, but because He already has, and that's why you're obedient. You talk about the challenges of being a father, but the challenges of just being a Christ follower, just a, a Christian man. Um, nowadays, culture has just done an incredible job of finding these things that men desire and putting it in front of our face 24-7. We used to have to go search it out. Now you can't even turn the TV on without four or five commercials just in your face. I I think the thing that uh, a man struggles with uh, the most or is most common is is sexual temptation. And um, as kids, as boys, we're taught to be strong and toughen up and man up and fight. But in Scripture, Paul tells us the absolute opposite. He says, flee sexual immorality. You're never going to be strong enough. Flee. And then in Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the way of sinners, but delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. So to be a Christian man in today's world, you've got to be willing to flee, and you've got to be willing to delight in the law of the Lord, to meditate on it day and night and hide it in your heart that you might not sin. Against Christ. And so, practically, some of the ways that I flee, I don't have social media. I haven't had it for a very long time because it was an avenue that could get me to temptation. I've got a browser on my phone that my wife can see everything that I search, every website I go to. It blocks things that it deems inappropriate. And sometimes that's inconvenient because some of the things are innocent that I'm looking for. But I can't. And sometimes it's inconvenient to not have social media because somebody wants to connect with you. But it's worth it that I might follow Christ and be a righteous man. And um, let me just say this. If you're in the room and you're bound by sexual sin, I know what that feels like. And let me tell you from experience, you've probably heard this a million times, Jesus is better. If you'll taste and see that God is good. He is better, and he's better every time. And so if you'll just give God a chance, I promise you he will fill you more than any other thing on a screen or anything else could fill you. I promise you, I promise you that he's better. Get in community with other believers. My brother-in-law, Drew Norris, is our high school pastor. He's He's right over here. He's my accountability partner. Iron sharpens iron. Galatians says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So Drew, without an announcement will pop in my office from time to time. Hey, Lance, how you doing on this, 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 this? Because he wants me to be a righteous man too. And I want him to be a righteous man. So get a community. Jesus is better.
3: Yeah, that's so good. I mean, the, the, the you should clap for that, everybody. That was really good. <laughs> Uh, the Facebook thing freaks me out, right? Co- because uh, I'm 47, and somehow, obviously, it knows I'm 47, and it does. It targets you with everything. Well, it's really convenient when I, I'll say out loud, yeah, I need a new pair of shoes, and I open my, my web browser, and suddenly there's an ad for shoes. That's creepy, but also very, very convenient, you know? But the other side of it's really, really, so I applaud you for doing that. I did the same thing. I, I, when we did our, our fast at the beginning of the year this year, the 21 days, uh, one of the things I fasted uh, on the practical side was social media. I took the, the Facebook app off my phone. I still have the account, but... I've taken it off my phone altogether for those reasons. But something Banjo said really uh, kind of woke my heart up a little bit. You were talking about loving the Lord and then keeping his commandments. And uh, I love what you said there. I was raised Southern Pentecostal holiness up in Northeast Georgia. And if any of you come up from a holiness background, it's not that the pastors and the teachers meant it to be this way. But what I heard growing up was follow the rules and then you can go to heaven. Like that was sort of the... and. and Again, that's what I heard. I'm not saying that's what they were trying to convey, but it's what I felt it was. I got to do this, or really what it was is don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, and then you'll be good with God. And as I've gotten older, I've come to realize the truth of what you shared and what the scripture shares. It's first about love. It's about loving the Lord. If I truly love the Lord and have a solid relationship with him, it even lessens my desire to do the things that would be wrong. And I don't do the things that are right to check off a list. And I'm a list guy now. I love checking off a list. But that's not why I do the things that are right. It's because I love the Lord. And it goes into my relationships with other people with Jennifer. I'm not going to run around on Jennifer because I love Jennifer. I'm not going to dishonor her because I love her. It's not because I don't want to get in trouble. It's because I love her. So I just love what you said. I feel like in my upbringing, everything was flipped upside down. And I love what you shared. I think it flips it right side up. Love the Lord and then keep his commandments. It's so good.
0: Good. Very good. Guys,
1: what has being a dad taught you about God?
0: Ryan, let's start with you.
1: Oh, so, so much. I feel like every day I get a new understanding of the Lord uh, through my role as a father in Nate's life, but also sometimes Nate shows me how to relate to the father. So most recently... Um, You know, he's about to be three, so he talks. He talks a lot. Uh, But half the people that are hearing him have no idea what he's saying because his language is very broken, and he only uses half words. So when the babysitter comes over or we take him to mom and dad's, it's like, okay, this means that. We, like, run him through the vocabulary so that they can understand because otherwise he's so frustrated. But I know what he's saying when he talks, because I've heard him before, a lot, over and over and over. He, he says it until I understand it. Or sometimes when I don't understand, I'll just ask him, Hey, buddy, show me what you mean. And, and he will. He'll walk over to whatever snack that he's describing and he'll show me, you know, whatever it is that he wants. And that's just shown me so much of how to connect and hear from the Lord because there's so many of us that are like, I don't hear from God. Specifically, my middle school and high school students say that all the time. God doesn't speak to me. Or if he does, I don't understand him. And I've realized through Nate, maybe, maybe it's because, maybe we don't hear from the Lord because we haven't listened to him before. Like, we have his word. We have the scriptures that we can go and hear his voice over and over and over. And when we hear it over and over, and even when we get to moments where we don't understand, we can ask the Holy Spirit, show me, show me what you mean, Father. And he will. And then, and then you know what he's saying and he'll his voice will get stuck in your head and all throughout every day you will hear his words over and over to you and you will hear him so clearly. Like with Nate, to, to this day when I see a fire truck, I'm like, fire truck. There it is, fire truck. Like I hear Nate's voice in my head over and over because I've listened to him. And that's kind of how Jesus describes how we can hear from him. Um, in In John 10, he talks about Jesus being the good shepherd and us being the sheep. And he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So if we'll just get God's words in our head, man, we'll hear from him so often. And, And Nate has just absolutely taught me that and so many other things.
0: Very good. Banjo, why don't you speak to that?
4: So the older I get, the more appreciation I have for God's fatherly love for us. He's always beckoning us to come back to him. God never changes. It's always us that stray away from him. And, but he always shows grace and mercy to have us back. So we as fathers and mothers, we need to show the same grace and mercy to our children even when they stray. And just show, you know, when, and when they come back, we want to rejoice and celebrate and give all the glory to God. And as fathers, giving up is not an option. We always have to pray for and pray with them. And God will do the rest. And also, don't ever forget to encourage, support, and always be helpful to the children.
0: So good. So good. Yeah. To, to the dads in the room, I hope you'll, you'll listen into what was just said uh, by both of them. Uh, one is this, is that you can do the best you can do, and your children are going to make their own decisions. But if you train up a child in the way they would go, when they're old, they, won't, uh, they it will, it will not depart from them. So it will never get away from them. But I love the fact what Banjo said was, "Be prepared by faith, be prepared. If your children have strayed from God, by faith... Go ahead and be prepared to rejoice, believing that they're coming home. And I also want to speak to something that Ryan said to the men in the room who think, you know, I just feel inadequate when it comes to prayer. I don't know what to pray, how to pray. Can I just tell you, you can fumble all over your words, but your heavenly Father knows your vocabulary spiritually And you may not even be able to get your thoughts out, but God, through the Holy Spirit, understands everything. And he's just beckoning you to spend some time with him. So listen to me. Some of you think you have to be perfect in order to get to him. And God is saying, I sent my perfect son so you can get to me. And I'm going to encourage you today, don't let the lies of the enemy keep you from the love of the Father today based on what they were saying. Listen, um, I'm going to ask Jason this because Father's Day is such a celebration. But for some people, it's difficult. We forget to recognize that Father's Day is a struggle for some folks too, especially if you did not have a good father, um, or maybe you had an absentee father, or one that you really, um, that maybe there was a broken uh, relationship in your family and you really didn't have much um, interaction with your father. And Jason, you come from that background, and yet, God sent, miraculously, brought you through that into a loving relationship with Him. Can you just speak to your situation, but also speak to the to the men in the room or the people in the room actually, who are missing that part? And Father's Day can be a struggle for them.
3: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, for my generation at least, we know that fifty percent of marriages ended in divorce, and I think that number actually still holds up. And um, so, unfortunately, my story is very common. You know, wish it weren't, but I. When I was in fifth grade, my parents separated. In sixth grade, my parents divorced. Uh, right as I'm coming into adolescence, really pivotal time for a, a young boy to become a man. And so there was a real void in my life uh, at that time. I, um, you know, I struggled with a lot of things around that. Insecurities, wondering, am I going to be manly enough without a man in the house to show me how to be a man? And thankfully, though, God uh, sent people my way to, to fill the void that was there. In fact, my mom, in fact, I text her on Father's Day almost every year or call her on Father's Day almost every year and say, happy Father's Day, mom. Because when dad left, she stepped up and she taught me how to fix a busted screen door on the house and how to change the oil in the car and all those kind of dad things, how to use a hammer. Mom stepped up and filled that void. But Uh, God sent a lot of men my way in the church. Uh, I grew up in a a small church in Northeast Georgia. We had a lot of little activities and events, um, and we would have father-son campouts and things like that. And whenever activities like that would come around, I would get really sad. You know, I'm not going to be able to go to this event because my dad's not around. And more and more men from the church would come to me and say, hey, I want you to come be part of my family for the father-son campout. And I would camp out with that family or, or guys, you know, if you know me, I'm not like great outdoorsman, hunter type person, but I grew up in Northeast Georgia and I get invited to go hunting with the men of the church a lot. So I'd go deer hunting or I'd go coon hunting or whatever. And, uh, just to spend time, there was a man in the church. His name was Roland. Um, and he was a carpet installer or a flooring installer. And he hired me to be part of his team to go out day after day laying floors. Now he didn't need, you know, a 15-year-old kid helping him lay floors. I cost him more money than he made with the mistakes that I made. But he knew that I needed to be with him, to be with a a positive male role model. Um, And you're sitting out here maybe thinking like, hey, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm not a dad. What's this got to do with me? I'm single, I don't have any kids. What's this got to do with me? Let me tell you something, church. The church should rise up and be the church. And just like God sent men into my life to fill that void, God's calling us to rise up and to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when he calls, answer the call and be that in other people's lives. I've got a friend here on staff. His name's Scott Bennett. He plays the keyboard in the band. And he and I have worked together this whole 12 years that I've been here. And Scott's single. He doesn't have any biological children. But I've watched Scott over the years take young people under his wing and lead uh, young adult life groups and coach young men into getting their GED and finishing their education and going on to pursue higher education and coach young men to to pick up an instrument and learn to play music and move from the pew or from the the chair onto the stage in the team. So Scott, wherever you are, happy Father's Day. Like, like you deserve a happy Father's Day because he's answered the call that God's placed in his life. So no matter who you are today, no matter what your situation is, single, married, divorced, whatever... God is speaking to you and he's calling the church to rise up and be the church. That's
2: That's so good. That's so good. Um, I'll, I'll I'll talk very briefly about why father's day could be a struggle. Um, I mentioned that we adopted our daughter Um, for five years. My wife and I tried to have uh, a biological child and we're unsuccessful. And um, in fact, in nine years of marriage, we've been unsuccessful. And, um, so there's people in this room, I'm sure, that Father's Day can be a bit embarrassing for you, and um, it, can, um, it can feel like a conflict because you want to celebrate the dads in the room, but in your heart of hearts, you really don't even want to talk about being a dad because it reminds you of the pain, and um, if you're in the room and you're walking through that right now, I'll just tell you a couple of things. One, you're not alone. If the stats are right, one in five people are affected in some way by infertility. It's a lonely path because a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but I'll talk about it. You got me, and I'll walk with you. Another thing I want to tell you is don't be afraid of God's plan. Adoption was not in my plan, and my wife and I had had a bunch of surgeries and procedures and treatments There was a night where the test was negative again, and I was so angry, so angry. God, why aren't you answering my prayer? Why are you not answering Allie's prayer? It's a good thing we want. And for the first time in five years, like the Holy Spirit whispered, why are you so afraid of the plan I have for you? Why are you so scared? Adoption wasn't in our plan, but man, I'm glad it's in God's plan because that family you saw, me and Allie and Emmy, that's so much better than anything I could have dreamed up or formed on my own. The last thing I want to tell you is don't let your pain rob you of the present. So often I focused on God not answering those prayers that I miss every time it moved in my life. Grace after grace after grace. Friends that would come into my life and comfort me when I was sad. Giving me moments where Allie and I could love one another better, be better husband and wife, so that when Emmy came, our relationship was solid and foundational. So if you're in the room and you're walking through that, maybe you're not. Maybe you're online because you just didn't want to come today. You're not alone. And I promise you that God is working, and he's working all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So don't give up on God even when he feels like he's not answering the prayer you the way you want him to.
0: Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for that. Amen. Lance, you're a great dad, and you also have a great dad. Um, but he's not just a great dad to you. He's been a great dad to so many others. I know there's a, uh, an experience that you have, Jason, that's just incredible. Can you share that with us, please? Yeah,
3: sure can. um, I've shared what I shared just a moment ago. A few years back, we did a Father's Day thing, and I shared some of the story. And um, when I was sharing the story from the stage, I was talking about the man in my life that came to, to help me. And, and uh, I made a comment that, you know, even to this day, when someone calls me son, it means something. So, you know, like we're in the South, so, you know, you uh, the southern older gentlemen will come to us young men and say, Good job, son. Or, hey, son, what you doing today? And it's just something we say in the South. But it really... Just says something to me when someone would use that term towards me. And I made that comment from the stage. And from since that day, and it continues to this day, Lance's dad, Mike Pierce, he'll go out of his way to say, Good job today, son. Or he'll text me, Hey son, you doing all right? It could be about where you going to lunch today, son. He'll throw it in there, but he doesn't do it because he's a, a, a gentleman from the South. He does it because it means something to me, and he knows it. And it makes a difference in my life. Yeah, it makes a difference.
1: That's so good. So y'all are like brothers now. Yeah. We, awesome. even like, we kind of coordinate even. Got the burgundy
3: and the, yeah, I mean,
1: glasses. Well, welcome
0: to the family. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, guys, as uh, time's starting to get away from us, um, so as we wrap this up, I, I really just want to give you uh, a chance to say if you had one piece of advice to give to Fathers or men or just the people in general, what would that be? We'll just start with you, Ron. Um,
1: so I would say that to be a father, a good father, is to be a servant, um, constantly laying your down your life um, for the benefit of others. And and Ephesians five twenty three says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. And I think when when men first read that, they're like, great, I get to be in charge. I make the big decisions. I lead this house. But if you really think about the function of the head, the brain, you see that its role is really just to arrange things for the body to thrive. You know, right now, your lungs are breathing in and out of the oxygen that it needs all because the brain is arranging that right now. If you were to touch something hot, it sends you back without you even having to really think about it too much. The brain just protects you. And, and I really think that is the true function of a godly man is to arrange things for human thriving. And so sometimes that does look like mowing the yard and fixing the house and the car and doing what's typical manly stuff. But also sometimes... It's getting out that vacuum, emptying the dishwasher, doing a load of laundry just to make sure your kids have the clothes they need and your wife is taken care of. And other times for us men, it it looks like putting your career goals on pause for a moment to make sure your kids are in the right school and they're taken care of or, you know, just putting on hold what you want at the moment to ensure that your kids are cared for, getting down and having a tea party with your little girl or, you know, putting your pride aside and just, you know, teaching your son how to hit a ball. It's just laying down your life over and over to arrange things for their thriving. I, I really think is the role of a godly man. Let's see if I side. So good. So good.
2: Yeah, I, I would, um, I'd, I'll go real practical. Um, I think I, uh, at times, can take laying your life down a little too far, put myself last, but I uh, lump Allie and Emmy in that and, and put them last. In fact, there's some meetings sometimes Pastor Kirk will ask me to do something, and I'll say, yeah, sure. And he'll say, well, that kind of affects Allie and Emmy. Why don't you call your wife first before you give me an answer? <laughs> um, but uh, I think my advice, um, just, just for parents, would be plan your day well. I have two hours, about two hours with Emmy when I get home before she has to go to bed. And I never want her to see me choose this phone or my computer over her. And if I've planned my day well and I've done my job, I don't have to send that text or that email or make that phone call. But every time I'm in the office and I get lazy, I sit around and I talk and I don't get my work done. And when I get home, when Emmy wants to play, I have to say, not right now. Or when my wife has dinner ready, I say, hold on, y'all go ahead and start without me. I've got to send this email. And to be really honest, if I'm honest with myself, that means I'm choosing my comfort over my family. I'm choosing laziness over my little girl. And I don't ever want to do that. So practically, plan your day well so that you can make time for your family because they need you.
4: Yes, to be the head of your family is great and wonderful. To provide for your family is wonderful. But you also have to be the spiritual head of your family and keep on leading your family in the way of the Lord. And so just like Christ did, not necessarily as a macho man, you serve by leading. You show by example. And I'm going to tell you something that I learned from my dad, which has been, you know, really helped me. My dad was a godly man, very supportive, but very practical. I'm the youngest of seven kids, so my dad was a little older by the time they had me. So I left Nigeria when I was 17, about two months from my 18th birthday. And I remember clearly at the airport, this was the days you can walk all the way to the gate. No security, nothing. And we were at the gate. It was my old, oldest brother and my dad at the gate. And my dad looked at me and said, uh, son, you live in the country? I said, yes. That's why we're here. <laughs> and he said, but uh, I don't have a whole lot of money to leave for you. I said, I kind of know that. And then he said, uh, and then he got really serious. And he looked at me and said, son, trust in God and focus on your education. Okay? And then he looked at me, then he paused for a second and said, uh, listen. Son, I'm getting of age now. But if something ever happens to me and you are still in school and it comes between coming back home and focusing on your education, he you said the answer is very easy. Focus on your education. That tells me he's got my back to make sure my future is fine. And felt really good. So the thing is, let your children know that you have your back, that you can always support them, always. That was 44 years ago. It seems like yesterday when he told me that at the airport.
3: I would say if you want to make a difference and you want to change the world, and I think we can agree the world could stand to be changed for the better, do what Banjo said earlier and strive to be a righteous person, a godly person. And go a step past that. And if you've got kids, raise your children to love God and to be righteous, godly people. And you may have a job that pays the bills and it's your vocation, but let me tell you something. What I'm trying to learn is that's not my job. That's my vocation that pays the bills. My job is to be a husband and a father. So whatever stage of life you're in, single, married, whatever, If you want to change the world, invest in somebody. First, you fall in love with God, and next, you invest in somebody and teach them and show them how to love the Lord, how to love the Lord, and how to follow God's plan and God's mandates for our lives. If you do that, the world will change for the better.
1: I had a follow-up thought. I, I feel like probably the manliest moment I've ever read in Scripture is when Jesus is on the cross, and he is doing the exact opposite of what the first man, Adam, did. Instead of blaming others for his mistakes, he is literally dying for all of our mistakes, offering us forgiveness and grace. And while there, while suffering and dying, he looks down and sees his mother and sees John and ensures, John, you take care of my mother. I mean, I just think that, that is manhood, that, that is laying down your life to serve others in, in the best way.
0: Yeah. yeah, so good, so good. I want to leave you with a piece of advice um, that I learned from a good friend of mine who used to be one of our um, board of trustees directors um, for many years. Um, I served with him in that capacity. I also served with him uh, when I was missions pastor here. He was on the missions board. His name is Ray Krim. And um, I watched Ray in his relationship with his wife, Donna, um, when she was in good health and then when Donna was in, um, uh, in, in very severe health, I watched Ray. And I watched Ray in the good times celebrate and have these wonderful moments and dote over her. I watched him as he took care of her when she was in her um, uh, difficult stage, and I watched him take care of her to the very end. And I I thought to myself when I was talking to Laura, my wife, one day, and I just said, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to love like Ray loves. And it just hit me that one of the greatest things that I can do as a man, as a husband, as a father especially, is to love my spouse well. You know, as a pastor, I do a lot of um, weddings. And in that, you share vows together. And they're very sweet vows. They're very meaningful vows. And I'm sure that every bride and groom says them and says, oh yeah, absolutely, I agree with those. But it's only till later till they actually experience those. And the vows would go something like this. It would be if I was taking the vows, it would be, I, Kirk, take you, Laura, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death alone shall separate us. You know, when you say or hear those words at a wedding, you literally just think, that is so sweet. That's what love sounds like. But what I found is after 30 years of being together and almost 29 years of being married, is that life has a way of bringing every one of those circumstances into your marriage and your family. And there'll be days where you're going to have more money and some days where you're going to have less. There are going to be days where you feel really in love and days where you don't necessarily feel that depth of love. There'll be days of good health, and there's going to be days of sickness. And the greatest thing I can do for my children is to love their mom well. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, love your wives because your sons need to know how to love their wives and your daughters need to know what to expect out of their husbands if you can pass that on, you are literally passing on the love of Christ fully given into your life and fully given out of your life and it will affect the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. But can I just tell you, you aren't capable of doing that unless you have experienced the fullness of the love of Christ in your life. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here in this room and you know things aren't right between you and the Lord, the Lord is calling, beckoning to you right now. And you simply need to pray something like this and mean it with your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I recognize that you're the Son of God. I recognize that you gave your life for my life, that you paid for my sins by your sacrifice on the cross. So I ask you, Lord to forgive me of my past and my sins, I accept not only your sacrifice, but I accept your lordship, and I ask you to rule and reign in my life. And I will never be the same. I'm going to ask everyone in the room, just pray this prayer profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on one more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, If that's you, you know when you came in here this morning things weren't right between you and the Lord. You say, I'm making a decision to follow him. I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you this week. But would you be bold enough to say, that's me. And raise your hand really high so I can pray for you this week. God bless you. Yeah, leave them up for just a moment, please. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Greatest Father's Day you'll ever experience. Greatest Father's Day when you experience the Father's love. Amen. All right, you can put them down. To all the dads in the room, I'm going to ask you this question. If you're here and you say one of two things, either I feel inadequate for the task that is before me, and I need the Lord to equip me, and I need to know that his plan for me is good. And for also for the folks in the room that Father's Day brings you difficulty and pain, maybe because of the experience that you had with your father growing up, Or maybe it's because you've lost your father or you've lost a child and this day is difficult for you. And you say, I need the Lord today in any of those circumstances. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you in just a moment. Amen. You're not alone. Not alone at all. All right, you can put them down. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for redeemed lives and changed lives. Thank you that more people today know you as Father at the end of this service that did than when this service just started this morning. I pray, Lord, for those that have reconciled with you, that you would give them peace and joy and grace. I also pray for those where this moment and this day is difficult, where there are some that feel inadequate. Lord, I pray that they feel your mighty presence in their lives. I pray for those who feel pain today because of loss loss either the loss of their father or the loss of a child. I pray for those that feel like they are, they, um, are missing something because there is a sense of void because of the um, lack of presence of their fathers in their lives. Lord, I pray that you fill that space in their heart right now with comfort and with peace and with joy. But Lord, for those that lack that father presence, I pray that as Pastor Jason said earlier, that the church would rise up and be the church we'd step into the lives of those who are missing that godly influence and I pray that those that are missing that godly influence would see it in the moments that it's happening in them and receive that fatherly influence, oh Lord. I pray for more people, more and more people that would do like Mike Pierce did and reach out and say, I'm going to call you son. I'm going to treat you like a son because God has treated me like a son. I pray for grace and favor and anointing and blessing to be poured out on those that feel like they are lacking right now. And Lord, I ask that you just pour out your anointing upon every man in this room, every father in this room. And I pray that as we talked about, you would transform lives, transform families, transform communities, transform cities, transform nations, and transform the world through the love that is displayed not only in us, but flows in us and through us to the world. And God, will be careful to give you the praise for it in the lovely and wonderful and strong and mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord praise in this place. Amen. Amen. Hey, we talk about family on Father's Day. Come on, celebrate with me. The family of God got bigger by six people today as they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Hey, would you, as we're about to dismiss, would you join me in showing your appreciation to our panel for sharing with us this morning? Listen, a couple of things that are coming up, two new sermon series that are happening. Over the next two weeks, we are celebrating, really, freedom here in the United States. In a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate our Declaration of Independence, our declaring our independence. But also, today's a significant day in that it's June 19. On June 19, 1865, not only had freedom been declared for those that had been in slavery. It was declared for those that were in the outer regions in Texas and not only declared but enforced on that day. And uh, so we're going to celebrate. We celebrate starting today. We're celebrating in a couple of weeks. But starting next week, I want to talk to you about what does it mean to be free in Christ? Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. What does it mean to be free indeed in our lives? And then the last three weeks of July, beginning when this series is over with, um, the last three weeks in July, I wanna to talk to you on a series, just, we're gonna talk about the end times. George Barna is a research group, a Christian research group, and the most commonly asked question in today's society is, Let's talk about the end times and what God's going to do in the end times. So we're going to talk about that the last three weeks. So I hope you'll be a part of that over the next few weeks. I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do uh, for us here. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please, as we dismiss. And before you go, allow me the privilege to bless you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Happy Father's Day. Have a great one.